welcome to the Truth Labyrinth podcast. I am your host, J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. This week, we look into a Celebrate Recovery step study program titled The Journey Begins. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. Uh, the step study series is a 26-lesson um, deep dive into the steps. We kind of take the steps and and tear them apart and put them under the microscope and take a look at how they can better apply to our hurts, habits, and hangups in life. Um, this is not a replacement for face-to-face meetings, so please go to your local Celebrate Recovery meeting and get involved in a face-to-face step study. Trust me, it will change your life. You will hear me say that over and over throughout this teaching series. So you can go to CelebrateRecovery.org and do a search in your area, and you will find a Celebrate Recovery in your area. They are literally everywhere. There's thousands of those uh, operating in churches all over the country. So uh, make sure you strap in and hold on because this is going to be a wild ride. It's going to get bumpy, it's going to be clumsy, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But the benefits far outweigh the discomfort that we deal with as we look inside the mirror of God's Word and our behavior. So you do not want to miss a second of this teaching series. Hi, I want to talk to you for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio has been a leader in the Mid-Atlantic since about the mid-90s with all forms of production work, um, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, We're well known for our mobile audio services and production services for live concerts and festivals. Um, But we also have just as rich of a history inside the church scene. Uh, Church production has definitely been a passion of mine since... I became a, a Christian in 1994. Um, I have worn many hats during this time inside of um, you know the church scene. You know things like having to be light designer and video producer, teacher, you know training staff, uh, been tech director at a couple different churches. Um, it's something that I've always been very passionate about, and genuinely felt like it was part of my Christian ministry. Um, I've trained personally dozens and dozens of tech people and tech staff uh, throughout the mid-Atlantic. I've traveled around and done uh, sound reinforcement workshops and AV workshops um, on site with the church tech teams that I'm working with, trying to help them to get the best out of the systems that they have in place. So, you know, give us a call, check us out. Uh, We'd love to help out your church. We'd love to maybe even talk to you about uh, doing a system upgrade or an install Um, Maybe you just need someone to come in and make sense of the gear that you have. That's my specialty, you know, and I've been doing that for many, many years. So uh, check us out online at copaudio.com. That's copaudio.com. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page, COP Audio. Just search COP Audio on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to read our reviews on the Facebook page. There's a lot of reviews on there from our clients and, um, I think it'll give you some some perspective on who we are as a company. So again, online, copaudio.com, copaudio.com. All right, welcome back. Uh, Lesson two, Powerless. That's where we are this week. We're going to dive right in because there's a lot to get covered here. In the short time that we have together, uh, we're still in principle one and step one. Principle one, realize that I am not God. Admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritual, spiritually poor, from Matthew 5, 3. If you haven't figured it out by now, the principles go by the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, so that's super groovy. Uh, step two, we admit that we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives have become unmanageable. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have a desire to do what is good, but cannot carry it out, Romans seven eighteen. Think about it. When we accept the first recovery principle, we take the first step out of our denial and into reality. We see there are very few things that we really have control over. Once we admit that by ourselves we are powerless and that we uh, can stop living with the following serenity robbers. Spelled out in this week's acrostic for powerless, P, pride. Arrogance plus power plus pride equals a deadly mixture. 
Uh, pride ends in a fall while humility brings honor. That's from Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. Uh, we don't always need to know or control everything. That is super tough for us control freaks to deal with, uh, but it is the absolute truth. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up in uh, their attempts to walk out Christianity in their lives because, you know, they feel like they have to know what God's doing all the time. You know, I have set countless times from countless people and heard them out of frustration talk about how they just can't see how this is making things better, or they can't see how, you know, God's doing anything for them, or they can't see, you know, blah, 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 fill in the blank, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, there's a reason for that. If you could see all those things and had all your own answers, how in the world could you ever have faith? Because faith is not knowing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1, 1, I believe. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to have all the answers all the time. Uh, in fact, you're not going to have all the answers all the time, no matter how hard you try. So all that effort you're putting into trying to figure that out or the effort and energy you exhaust in getting frustrated because you don't know is really to no prevail. You know, you're not really gaining anything by exhausting that effort. Um, sometimes we just need to trust God. And that's what we mean when we talk about walking by faith. Uh, the next letter is O, only ifs. Our only ifs in life keep us trapped in a fantasy land of rationalization. Only ifs like, uh, only if they hadn't walked out, only if I had stopped drinking, only if this, only if that. Uh, rational, rationalizing our bad behavior is a form of denial. It really is. Uh, whatever's co covered up will be uncovered and every secret will be made known. So then whatever you said in the dark will be heard in broad daylight. That's from Luke 12, 2 and 3. And uh, yeah, I mean... We all try to downplay our sin. We all try to downplay our addictions and downplay, you know, the stuff that's going on in our life because we don't it owning your junk and admitting that you're wrong kind of let this cat out of the bag <laughs> is not easy. <laughs> it does not come natural to us. You know, it is a learned behavior. So getting out of that habit of rationalizing all your decisions and things like that. Um, you know, is the first step toward, you know, clarity. It's the first step toward getting out of that closet of denial and into the uh, beautiful light of truth and transparency. The next letter is W, and that stands for worry. Worry is a form of not trusting God enough. There is zero faith in worry. Uh, I think personally worry is one of the polar opposites of faith. You know, you can't have faith if you're worrying about something, because when you have faith, you kind of just give it to God, put it on that faith shelf, and you walk away and go on about your life. You know, if you can't not focus on it, I always say focus on your next right decision. What is the next thing in front of you that you can do that is within your power? You know, go do that. You know, that that's a great way to walk out faith. So worry is a form of not trusting God enough. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. That's Matthew 6.34. The next letter is E. That stands for escape. Um, let's see here. By living in denial, we make by living in denial, we may have escaped into a world of fantasy and unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others. Yeah, boy, that is a you know, 10 foot deep, you know, pit in the ground that you can get trapped in real, real easy. Um, some of us are in such deep denial that we have just bought into this fantasy. We may not even know how it materialized in our, in our minds, but we kind of live in this fantasy world where everything's okay, you know, where you just put a mask on and a fake smile and, you know, bam, that's it. I would refer you back to my podcast. I think it might have been the last podcast of last season called Heroes and Villains, which is, you know, talking about, you know, being in touch with the villain living in you as much as you should be in touch with the hero that's living in you because there's both going on. 
Uh, for light is capable of showing up everything for what it really is. It is even possible for light to turn the thing it shines upon into light also. That's Ephesians 5, 13, and 14. And I want to talk about that for a second. I've got a note here to go to my leader's guide, page 77. Let's see. Um, Before we admitted we were powerless, we tried to escape and hide from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups by getting involved in unhealthy relationships, by abusing drugs and alcohol, by eating too much or not eating at all, and so forth. Trying to escape pain drains us of precious, precious energy, if my lips and tongue will work with us today. When we take this first step... Uh, God opens true escape routes to show his power and grace in our lives. Uh, And then it repeats the uh, scripture I just read. For light is capable of showing up everything for what it really is. It is even possible, after all, it's happened to us, it's happened to me. Hopefully it can happen to you too if you kind of put some effort into it. Um, For light can turn the thing it shines on into light also. That's super groovy stuff, man. I mean, I I love that. I love that idea, you know. Uh, First of all, I love how light is going to show up all your secrets anyways. You know, guys, look, the second you can start living a life outside your secrets, you can get with a sponsor, you can get with a safe, healthy counselor or person in in your program where you can just sit down and have a one-on-one and really unload all your secrets. That is where... I got the most freedom in my own walk. I went from having panic attacks every day to, you know, as I started that process of unloading all my secrets and getting real and and becoming and learning how to live transparently, the panic attacks started to subside. And they had, you know, had me on a roller coaster of medication and all kinds of stuff like that. Nothing would work. Nothing was really getting me to any, you know, uh, sense of sanity. You know, I just kept feeling like I was slipping deeper and deeper in this hole. And really what had me bound up was the fact that I wasn't talking enough uh, about my secrets. I was not living transparently and living a life of genuine truth. And I was suffering from, you know, some abuse issues. I had some PTSD from, you know, some sex abuse issues from my childhood that I had never unpacked. And that was after probably spending... 20 years in and out of counseling and still had stuff to unpack. You know, I'm in this thing this year is marks 30 years that I, from the time I first started counseling when I was 19 years old, 30 years, guys, actually I'll be 50 this year, 31 years. It takes time. This is not an overnight sensation. Uh, September be 10 years and celebrate recovery. I just am starting to feel like right now that I'm scratching the surface of who I really want to be. You know, finally laying aside some old habits and some things that have been getting in the way for a very, very long time. So, you know, I am a gleaming example of how when you let that light into your life, when you let the light of Christ and the light of God's love and grace and mercy into your life, it will turn you into light. And then you'll shine that light into someone else's life. That's how this is supposed to work. The next letters are for resentments. Resentments act like an emotional cancer. If they are allowed to fester and grow, um, forgiveness breeds bitterness. That's my note that I have on that. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I'm sorry, unforgiveness breeds bitterness. I can't even read my own writing here. And this is messy writing this time. (laughs) It's not just the English language. It's my horrible fifth grade, you know, writing skills here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, unforgiveness is, is a prison of our own design. And I know that will rub people the wrong way. You know, when you resent somebody so deeply and hate somebody so deeply, believe me, I've been there, um, then you're just imprisoning yourself. You know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison thinking that's, and hoping it's going to hurt the other person that hurt you. And your resentments and your unforgiveness isn't hurting anybody but yourself. Um, I have, you know, literally ticked off, you know, people who have come to me looking for help because of that very principle, because I took the time to try and teach that principle of forgiveness. And they just were not in a place where they could receive that. 
You know, I had one lady years ago, you know, just tear my head off because she's like, there's no way I'm offering any form of forgiveness to the people who abuse me. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying that we're letting them off the hook for what they did. You know, they should go to jail and pay a price for their crime. And believe me, God doesn't let anyone off the hook, you know, that's not under the blood, you know, and, you know, offering forgiveness releases yourself from, you know, that prison of unforgiveness. And this specific person was on a laundry list of medication, none of which was really getting her where she wanted to go. That's why she ended up at my door. And, um... Then she didn't want to receive, you know, the the psychological medicine, the spiritual medicine I was trying to feed her. So that's okay, you know. I I still love her. If she comes back, I would gladly help her and point her, you know, toward you know some healthy uh, recovery women that can help her out and and try to get her on track. But I, you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. And that's just kind of how that goes. And that's how deep and ugly resentment and unforgiveness can be in our lives. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. The next letter is L for loneliness. Loneliness is a choice in recovery and in Christ. You never have to walk alone. I always say you may be by yourself, but you're never alone. God is always with you. There's a guardian angel always with you. Um, and isolation and loneliness is is a choice. We choose to do that. We choose to isolate because we just don't want to deal with other people or because it's uncomfortable sharing ourselves with someone else. And we maybe sometimes, God knows I've been there, maybe sometimes you just want to sit at home and wallow in your your depression and your, your hurt and your pain and your suffering. I've had those pity parties. They suck, you know. They don't even serve cake and ice cream at those parties. I mean, they're horrible parties. But sometimes we attend them, you know, some of us regularly. So we have to step out of that. Um, the scripture here is from Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Continue to, continue to love each other with true brotherly love. Don't forget to be kind to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I always think about that scripture when I see guys in the intersection begging for money. I don't care if they're using the money for drugs or not, you know. If I feel led to give somebody money, I'm going to give them money. I mean, it's I don't have a whole bunch of money to give away, so it ain't like I'm giving them, you know, $3,000 to go out and go on a bender for, you know, three weeks. But you know what? Even if the state is feeding them and giving them a place to stay, I can't imagine what it would be like to walk around the streets and not at least have $5 in your pocket so you can get a cup of coffee if you wanted to. You know, the simple things in life that most of us take for granted is a huge deal for these guys. You know, go get a hot meal at McDonald's or, you know, at the local diner or something, you know? I mean, any of that stuff. Maybe they don't want to eat the, the rescue mission food this week because sometimes, you know, those state programs and even the programs that feed the homeless that are privately funded – the food isn't always stellar. It's not exactly gourmet food or anything like that. Of course, neither is McDonald's or your local diner. But you know what? There's something to be said for having a few bucks in your pocket and being able to sit down like a normal human being, even if it's just for a moment. Order a meal and sit there and eat it in peace and feel like that your life's not a wreck and you're not sleeping in a cardboard box behind a restaurant. So... You never know. You may be entertaining angels when you do those things. And then I need to look on page 78 of the Leader's Guide because I have something highlighted here. Uh, this is uh, speaking about the loneliness issue. Do you know that casting, I'm sorry, do you know that caring for the lonely can cure loneliness? Get involved. Get involved in your church or in the neighborhood. Um, or here at Celebrate Recovery. If you become a regular here, I guarantee that you won't be lonely. And then it repeats that Hebrews 13, 1 through 2 scripture about um, loving each other. I think that is super, super huge. I'm always, you guys that follow this podcast know that I'm always harping on connection. We are not built for isolation. 
No one in the Bible was the Lone Ranger and went out there and did it all by themselves. God always had people around his apostles. Jesus had the 12 disciples. You know, Paul had Silas. Peter had Mark. I mean, it goes on and on. Even the prophets of the Old Testament. Yes, there were times where they retreated to prayer by themselves and, you know, had to stand up for, you know, what God wanted them to do by themselves. But their day-to-day activities and lives were not isolated and alone all the time. They, it was always understudies there. There was always other people around them that they were teaching because I got news for you. If you're called in the leadership, and boy, I wear these shoes all the time, you know, if you're called in the leadership, you're held to a higher level of, of accountability and responsibility. You know, so God is going to continue to bring people across your path that you need to be sowing, you know, the truth and the uh, freedom that he has sown into your life, you need to pay that forward into someone else's life. You know, I used to tell uh, a friend of mine all the time, she was like, well, what are you going to do if you move, you know, here or if you move there or whatever? I'm like, you have any idea how big God is? Like, there's no getting away from your ministry. You know, if I decide to move to Florida tomorrow, I'll guarantee you within 18 to 24 months, I'll I'll be sponsoring two or three guys and and working in leadership in a recovery program somewhere. It just is the way it's supposed to be. And it doesn't matter where you live at. um, God is going to bring them people into your life. I am doing it right now. I just moved back to West Virginia two years ago uh, from Harrisonburg, uh, come out of leadership down there, was running a CR group down there, Came back here, took a break, and then uh, joined another online ministry called Samson Society. Have been working that, and now I'm, you know, back inside of Celebrate Recovery, working in leadership, and uh, you know, sponsoring three guys right now officially, and then probably encouraging and regularly speaking with another four or five. You know, um, so yeah. That's when you're called to do this, that's just kind of how it works out. You know, people just naturally gravitate toward you because it's what you're called to do. The next letter is E. It stands for emptiness. You know that empty feeling deep inside, the cold wind of hopelessness blows right through it. Yeah, I think we can all identify with that at some point or another. Um, And then I have some notes here. Fill the void that addiction once filled with God's truth. Uh, stay active in the fellowship. And then I have a note to look at Matthew twelve forty three and 45, which I know exactly what that says. And what we're going to get at here is when you take things out of your life, like bad coping skills, uh, whether it's, you know, um, control issues, anger, uh, any sort of addiction, gambling addiction, sex addiction, uh, sex addiction's huge right now. It's an epidemic in the country. Uh, probably need to do another podcast on sex addiction at some point in this season. I haven't done one since the first season. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously chemical addiction and drugs and alcohol, you know, that sort of thing. When you take those things out of your life, you have just removed things that you had always used to cope with pain, suffering, and stress. So you need to replace those things with healthy coping mechanisms. Exercise, connection, small groups, a step study program, um, your weekly CR program, you know, Sunday morning church, you know, uh, be active in a in a book club, you know, with, with some guys or, you know, girls or whatever. Um, you know, if you're women, go to the girls group. If you're men, go to the men's groups, you know, but fill those voids with healthy things, you know, pick up healthy hobbies, you know, gardening around your house, you know, do some home renovation stuff, stay busy all the time. It fights loneliness. It fights emptiness. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 43, uh, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept in an order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about here. There's definitely a spiritual component in all this. Um, many people believe that you know addiction is a spiritual oppression on people as well as physical stuff because there's obviously biological evidence there. But you know, you take something like anger or, you, or you know, control issues or you know um, 
chronic anxiety, you know, stuff like that. We can measure those things with chemical imbalances in the brain, but you're just seeing the result of something spiritually that's happening in a person. There's some hurt and pain there that has caused people to be that way. You know, just because we can point to a different in bio, a difference in biochemistry doesn't mean that's what's causing the problem. That difference in biochemistry can be a result of an emotional, psychological, and you know, 99.9% of the time, a spiritual issue going on in their life. I heard a counselor one time in a, in a uh, seminar that I went to talk about uh, he had a retired guy from his church, had been going to his church for 40 years, you know, come to him for counseling because he was struggling with sin in his life, more so than he ever had ever in his whole walk. And uh, what they ended up finding out was the guy had recently retired. And when he retired and didn't have, you know, his toil, which is what the Bible calls your career, when he didn't have his toil to distract him every day and didn't have, wasn't as active in the church as what he had been before because he was trying to move into that retirement phase of life, then it gave an enormous amount of idle time. And idle time is the devil's playground. And he found himself wrapped up in all kinds of, you know, sexual sin and and uh, some other stuff and and the way they, um, I guess for lack of a better term, fixed him was they, they got him active again. You know, he started volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. You know, he started helping build houses because that's kind of what he did most of his life. He owned a construction company at one point and um, it totally solved the problem, totally turned his life around. You know, he got active in the church again, you know. I could never understand for the life of me, and I mean, you know, I know everybody, different strokes for different folks. Everybody has their own thing. But it makes no sense to me whatsoever for somebody to move to a retirement community or move to Florida or move to their river lot or on the lake or, or whatever and then spend the rest of their life drunk. Like, that, that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. We have a local campground here that is a wonderful, beautiful place to vacation in the summertime, and a lot of people have, have river lots there and that sort of thing. It's, it's gorgeous. Tons of stuff to do, healthy things to do every day. And probably 90 or 95% of the people that are there just go lay drunk the whole time they're there. Like, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Do you have no desire to, to better your little piece of the world? I mean, what kind of existence is that to just stay drunk? Look, I've been there. There was a time in my life where I used to enjoy getting drunk too. And I, you know, I definitely was a social alcoholic. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But there came a point where it was like, I'm really tired of waking up and feeling like crud every day, you know, and I'm really tired of the money that I spend frivolously, you know, drunk shopping, you know, or, <laughs> you know, on Amazon or something like that, or, or spending way too much money, you know, on alcohol and that sort of thing. And when there's a whole world out here to live and experience and, you know, go explore, you know, your community and state parks and, you know, stuff like that, I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just, cut from a different cloth, or maybe I had so much of that in my life at one point that it just doesn't appeal to me anymore, but there's so much more in life. I don't, you know, and then you talk to alcoholics, you know, who have become sober and they all have one common denominator. And that is they say the whole time that they were drunk, it was like, you know, like they went into a wormhole because that those decades or years of their life, they did nothing. They were just existing. They didn't enjoy life. I mean, they thought they were enjoying life when they were with their friends and laughing it up and getting drunk. And, you know, when, when, you're, when your party stories start out with, man, I am so messed up last night that, you know, blah, 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 and, and did some kind of crazy, wild, and probably foolish thing. Look, I'll tell you from a Christian standpoint, we can do foolish stuff and have just as much fun without alcohol. Trust me, get around a bunch of, you know, free Christians that are that are healthy and walking out God's grace and mercy, and you'll find a group of people who know how to have fun, and you're going to remember it the next day. You know, so that, that void and that emptiness that is in you that you're trying to self-medicate with alcohol or drugs or whatever, only Christ can, you know, fill those holes. 
You know, only you can make a decision to put physical things in your life that give you satisfaction. Spending time with family, with your grandkids, with your children, you know, get the kids involved in Little League and stuff like that. Vacation with the family and stay sober while you're on vacation so your kids, you know, don't see you all nasty, you know, sloppy drunk. I don't know. I didn't mean to get off into all that, guys, but that's just what was on my heart. Jesus said, my purpose is to give you life in all its fullness, John 10, 10. Did I just not say that it, you know being a Christian is a good time? There's Jesus, the Son of God, telling us he wants to give you life in its fullness. Well, you may say, well, then why is there so many rules? Because those rules are in place so you don't hurt yourself or other people. Is it so bad that you shouldn't steal, sleep with your neighbor's wife? Or, you know, commit murder? Is that so bad, really? I mean, even the secular world believes those things. Come on, man. The next letter is S, selfishness. Uh, We offer prayer, our Father who art in heaven, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 there's that. The foundation of addiction is self-service. People who struggle with compulsive behavior and addiction, another common denominator with all of them, 100% of them, is they tend to be very selfish people. Some will have a false sense of humility, but it's not real. They still are, have some hidden agenda where they're trying to benefit themselves. Uh, the foundation of Christianity is service to God and your fellow man. You know, even Jesus washed the feet of Judas. That whole thing of him washing disciples' feet was like a big deal, man. Like that just, you know, I mean, even Peter was like, I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. Yeah, I heard Brennan Manning, um, well, I read Brennan Manning speak in, in the Ragamuffin Gospel. He was talking about how he had this vision of Jesus washing his feet, and he, he was doing the whole Peter thing. He pulled his feet away and was like, no, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. And Jesus said, you're more worthy than what you realize because I've seen every opportunity you had to walk away from the faith and you didn't do it. You had every opportunity to give up and you didn't do it. The enemy laid every perfect reason for you to not serve me in front of you and you still chose me. You still came running back to my throne of grace, messed up, jacked up, hurt, wounded, and I loved you back to health and restoration every single time. You are worthy. You're worthy because I made you worthy. Because I died and and took the penalty of all your sins when I hung on the cross. Man, if that's not a, a message you can grab onto, I don't know what is. Whoever clings to this life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life for his sake shall save it. That was Jesus talking in uh, Luke 17:33. You know guys, we live in a world that is driven by selfish and you know, selfish self-centered pride. I mean, it just it just is. Um everybody's about self-empowerment, you know, and that sort of thing. And really to be like Christ is to be in constant service of your fellow man trying to love the unlovable, trying to love those that are hard to love, you know, trying to show tolerance and, you know, mercy because you need tolerance and mercy. I can't tell you the, the selfish people I've sat across the counseling table from and heard them sit there talk about me, 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 and what's wrong with everything else in the world, but they're, they won't look in the mirror at their own junk. They don't want to see their own flaws in that mirror. Well, that's where you find freedom, guys. You know, you find freedom in that in that uncomfortable place of realizing that I need God's grace and mercy. And I need to be someone who knows how to show God's grace and mercy as well. And you can't be that person if you're selfish. You have to be selfless. And as Jesus described, lowly hearted, which means you have a a, a low, humble heart. That's what we're all striving for. The last letter of our acrostic here is S. That stands for separation. Uh, Some people talk about finding God as if he could ever get lost. And in our scriptures from uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that nothing could ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. 
Let me say that again. All the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. You know, God's never lost, but boy, we sure can be, can't we? You know, even those of us that are trying to get it right, you know, we can still be separated, you know, from our, our groups and, and from, you know, a life that we're trying to live that is best for us. Separation is not a good thing. The enemy's whole, like, let me put it this, to you this way, because this I'm going to give you like the five-year-old version of this uh, as if you're a five-year-old because that's how I got to, you know, um, digest things. You know, I ask God all the time to reveal things to me as if I was a five-year-old. God is trying to get you to be humble and in service of your fellow man, constantly connected with your community, constantly connected with your brothers and sisters in the faith. The enemy is trying to isolate you and get you to identify with his lies of you're never enough, no one's ever going to love you, you're way too broken to be loved, you're totally unlovable, you're such a failure, and then he reminds you of all the mistakes that you've made. And when he can keep you focused on your failures, you can never see God's beauty working in your life. You can never see God pulling purpose out of your problems. You can never see God taking what was meant for evil and using it for good. So I'll just leave you with that little piece. Congratulations. In your admission of your powerlessness, you have begun the journey of recovery that will allow you to accept the true and only higher powers, Jesus Christ's healing, love, and forgiveness. At this stage in your recovery, you need to stop doing two things. Number one, stop denying the pain. You are ready to take your first step in recovery when your pain is greater than your fear. And that's something I need to talk about. When you get sick of being sick, when your pain is greater than your fear of connection, your fear of actually going to that Tuesday night Celebrate Recovery meeting, that's when you'll start getting the help you're looking for. And you got to go into that environment with a humble heart and be ready to let people you know, speak into your life because that's what recovery is about. Recovery is about allowing sober people who are healthy and adjusted and leaders in the program help you make the right decisions until you can get it to a healthy place emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, to where you can start building a track record of good decision-making. True sobriety is defined by peace and harmony operating in your life. That being your mainstay day in and day out is peace and harmony and having a track record of good decision-making. That starts with stop denying the pain. If you can't feel it, God can't heal it. So you have to feel that pain. I would suggest you get with your sponsor or you get with your Silas or you get with, you know, someone you can trust in the faith and you sit down and you talk it out. You start talking about your pain. It goes back to what I was talking about there a little while ago about emptying that closet. You're letting go of all those secrets. You know, getting in a place where you can feel the pain. Psalm 6 verses 2 and 3 say, Pity me, O Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, for my body is sick and I am upset and disturbed. My mind is filled with apprehension and with gloom. That was King David that wrote that. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. You know why David was a man after God's own heart? It wasn't because of his behavior, because he had some pretty questionable behavior, especially later in his life. But it was because he had a heart of repentance and because he had a true and genuine love for God. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because he didn't struggle with sin, because he clearly struggled with sin. But he was always quick to admit it when he sinned. He was always quick to repent. He was always quick to make amends. He was always quick to get under sackcloth and ash, which is the Old Testament symbolism of repentance. That's why he was a man after God's own heart, not because he did everything right all the time. And here he is, you know, just being real, saying, look, man, I'm jacked up. I feel weak. My body is sick. I'm upset. My mind is polluted with negative thoughts. You know, most people would say he was depressed. 
he probably could have went to the doctor and got some Prozac or some Zoloft. But he didn't. And I'm not, you know, teaching against medication because that's between you and your doctor. I am grossly unqualified to tell anyone what kind of medication they should or should not take. But, you know, they didn't have that sort of thing in the Old Testament. They didn't have that sort of thing in ancient times. They could go get drunk, but we don't have any records that David was that kind of guy. But what he did do was he got real about cleaning his closet and standing, you know, upright before God, even when it was uncomfortable. Number two, stop playing God. You are unable to do it yourself. Um, What you need God, okay, you are unable to do for yourself what you need God to do for you. You are either going to serve God or yourself. You can't serve both. And then Matthew 6, 24, this is Jesus talking. You cannot be a slave to two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and despise the other. So you got to ask yourself right now, this very minute, who are you going to serve? you going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? Then I have a note to look in the leader's guide. Yeah, here we go. Another term for serving ourselves is serving the flesh. Flesh is the Bible's word for our unperfect human nature, our sin nature. I love this illustration. If you leave the H off of the end of the word self and reverse the remaining letters, you spell the word, I'm sorry, if you, <laughs> if you leave the, the letter H off of the end of the word flesh, <laughs> we'll get there here eventually, bear with me, and reverse the remaining letters, you spell the word self. Flesh is the self-life. It is what we are when we are left to our own devices. One thing I have learned about myself in recovery is that when I am left to my own devices, that is dangerous, dangerous ground. I need to stay connected and I need to stay busy because when I isolate, bad things happen. So we have got to stop playing God in our lives and we've got to choose who we're going to serve today. In addition to stopping certain behaviors, we need to start doing two things. Number one, start admitting our powerlessness. As you work the first principle, you will see that yourself, you will see that by yourself, you do not have the power to change your hurts, habits, and hangups. I remember the first time I went to one-on-one counseling 10 years ago when I started this whole journey, and I remember my counselor telling me a, a list of things and you know, behaviors I need to change in my life. Some of those behaviors were the only coping mechanisms that I had ever had in my life, and they were the only way I knew how to feel good or feel validated or any of that stuff. And I remember just laughing at her, like, you have no idea what you're talking about. This is obviously a waste of time. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to stop doing all these things you're saying I need to stop doing. And and she, like, got straight with me and was like, "Um, yeah, I know that. On your own, you can't do any of this. It's only through the power of Christ that you can do these things. We we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, not through J.R. Everhart or Susie or Mary or Tom or Joe or whoever. Through Jesus. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. we got to keep that in place. And what she was saying was, and what took me another five years to figure out because I'm a little thick-headed, you know, is that the more I fall in love with Christ, the more I seek his truth, a natural byproduct of that is I don't have the desire to fulfill the things of the flesh. I don't have a desire to do all the things that were hanging me up before. Now, I'm still fighting that every day. I'm still walking that out every day, but I am worlds better now than what I was 10 years ago. It's about progress, not perfection. And God knows that. Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That's Matthew 19, 26. Number two, and this is our final point. Start admitting that your life has become unmanageable. You can finally start admitting that some or all areas of your life are out of control and need to change. 
And then it goes back to problems uh, far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have all caught up with me, and I am ashamed to look up. That's another scripture from Psalms, Psalms 40, 12. And again, that's King David talking. Problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count have all caught up with me and I am ashamed to look up. There's even a place, it might even be in that chapter where he's talking about his friends are tired of hearing him, you know, bellyache and complain about, you know, his depression and the things that he's upset about. So at that point he felt totally isolated. Um, he was very close with the prophet, prophet Nathan in those days. So, I mean, he wasn't alone, but yeah, that's how it was. Guys, we're going to stop there. We're not going to get into the questions this time around because you need to go to a face-to-face step study and uh, work out those questions with your group. As I always say, this is not a replacement for a face-to-face group, and you need to get involved in a face-to-face group um, so that you can reap the benefits of this Celebrate Recovery you know, program. Because it's super groovy stuff, guys. If you work it, it works. We say that all the time in, in you know, CR. It will, uh, it will change your life. It will bring you to a place of peace and harmony that you never thought possible. You'll get peace over the things that have been in your way of freedom and restoration your entire life. You'll have a letter, level of satisfaction you've never had before. It's not an overnight sensation. It most of the time takes years to get there. But you got to start somewhere. I always tell my guys, don't focus on the Mount Everest of junk that you got to climb over to get where you want to be. Just focus on your next step. This whole marathon is run one step at a time. What is your next right decision? What should you be doing right now? You know, are you feeling depressed? Go to the gym. Go exercise. Go walk around your neighborhood. You know, the weather's starting to break in my area here in West Virginia, and, you know, it's starting to get a little warm. It's a good time to go out and walk around. Get some exercise. It has been scientifically proven that exercise does us a world of good psychologically. I think it was Harvard that did a double-blind study where they gave one group of people, uh, I think it was Prozac, an antidepressant. All these people were complaining of depression issues. They gave one group Prozac. They gave another group a sugar pill, but made the second group do a daily exercise regimen. At the end of two years, the results were identical. In fact, the second group didn't have any side effects to deal with from the Prozac the first group was taking. So the second group was better off than the first group, and all they did was take a sugar pill and exercise. You know, I mean, that's why God built manual labor into our lives, because that exercise is good for us psychologically. So what's your next right decision? What is it that you need to go do right this second? to start moving in the direction you want to be living in. If you have found value in this podcast, please consider giving to this ministry. The Truth Labyrinth is only one aspect of Restoration Ministries. We raise money regularly for needy people right here in our own community. Just this past Christmas season, we raised over $1,000 for a woman struggling with spinal cancer and was able to bring hope to someone who had lost all hope. Uh, We've bought handicap vans for the disabled. We paid utility bills for single moms. And uh, we've paid for hundreds of casual meals for those who were in need of one-on-one counseling but uncomfortable with an office environment. Listen, guys, sometimes it's much easier for someone to open up and ask for help over a meal than it is to walk into a counselor's office and lay on a couch. God has and is using Restoration Ministries in ways that break traditional church protocol. I personally believe we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life, and it takes time to build those bridges, many times unraveling years of church hurt and dysfunction. This is what Christian ministries should look like in today's world. God should be glorified through our efforts to help the world around us, but it takes resources to do these things. For years, I've paid for a lot of these things out of my own pocket without hesitation. Or I've organized a benefit concert or some kind of fundraising campaign to provide these services for the people that God puts in my pathway. 
I will continue to give to these causes with everything that I have, but I need your support. It takes money and time to produce this podcast. Many hours go into praying over and organizing these messages. Not to mention actually recording the messages and all the post-production editing and stuff that needs to happen with that. This ministry isn't about building an empire. It's about connecting hungry hearts with the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no aspirations of becoming some wealthy preacher or tycoon ministry leader. I am content with the world that I live in, and my little world is pretty peaceful and satisfying. I definitely don't need the drama that comes along with big ministry and tycoon leadership egos. I'm just trying to make my tiny little piece of the world better. I need your support. So please pray about supporting this ministry financially. I will post links in the notes of this podcast so that you can send your gift online. Next, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so others can see what's going on here, especially your five-star reviews. Uh, The more you review us, the higher we rank in search listings, and this allows people to discover us easier. Finally, please pray for this ministry. Pray God will provide for our needs here at the Truth Labyrinth. Pray that God will bring this podcast across the screens of those that need to hear these messages. The Bible tells us that God's ears upon the lips of the righteous. Guys, he hears our prayers. And we need his constant guidance for each and every podcast and everything that Restoration Ministries does. So pray that he uses this podcast to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh and that his truth will turn those hearts toward his eternal mercy and grace. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my God.